In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you are revealing yourself to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we know that you are at work here revealing to us the love of the Father and the Lordship of Jesus, the mercy of God, the goodness of God. And you're also affirming us in our true identity. So we pray that the image of God that we all have will continue to be restored and perfected so that the image that we have of ourselves can be restored and perfected. So let us all pray together in the words our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just pulled up my playlist, and I like to hit random just to see what pops up. You know, how is the Lord going to speak to me through my playlist? And so one of the songs that just popped up up there was Billy Joel, Just the Way You Are. So how appropriate. Again, as Father Patrick likes to say, we can baptize these songs, right, that we all grew up with. And just let the Lord sing to you and speak to you through songs like that. You know, Billy Joel can, God can use Billy Joel to touch your heart. I can remember when... I first felt called to the priesthood and I'm a 20 year old kid in college and I get this inspiration during Lent of 1994 and, or sorry, 93. And, uh, I was scared to tell anybody. And then I, I finally decided one Saturday night I was going to drive home and just surprise my parents. And so as I'm driving along, then as I began my drive, I popped in my, I don't know what I popped in, probably some cassette mix that I had made. And it was Guns N' Roses, Patience. And so I like to joke that God was even speaking to me through Axl Rose. You know? <laughs> I just had to be patient. Just be patient, Jason. Right? All will be revealed in due time. So we have to be open. And when we are, I think... It just, it comes more and more. It comes more and more. That God wants to speak to me. God wants to reveal himself to me. So, what a good thing. I mentioned there in that opening prayer, our image of God. And that's something that undoubtedly has uh, been wounded because of sin, our own personal sin. Uh, and the sins that other people have committed against us. Do you want to turn that fan off? Just unplug it. Just unplug it. That's fine. So, when we think back to the original sin, what was it that Adam and Eve did? They, they hid themselves, right? So they became afraid of God. They became afraid of God because of sin. And I think we all wrestle with that today. That's something that 
We all have experienced this fear of God. What is, what is God going to do to me? What is God going to ask of me? Well, he's a good, good father. Whatever he asks of you, whatever he does, it's going to be for your own good. He's not going to hurt you. He's not going to punish you in a way that is, I mean, just senseless or demeaning or degrading. God is not about putting you down in any way, shape, or form. You know, you've heard me say this before, right? But do we read in the Gospels any instance of Jesus wagging his finger in somebody's face and saying, shame on you? Right, but how many of us heard that growing up? <laughs> you know, if you didn't, praise God, but I'm imagining you did because I heard it. Right? But that is not from God. That is absolutely not from God. Because what is shame? Shame implies a certain sense of ourselves as being bad. Guilt is, oh, that thing I did was bad. So guilt is not a bad thing, but when it becomes shame and when it becomes so focused on ourselves that I'm bad because I did that, well, that, that is not from God. That kind of shame is not from God because you're not bad. You're not bad. So this, this, this baptism scene episode concludes with, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. A great affirmation. And, and God wants to speak that over you all the time. Thanks, Father Tim. Pray for us. I am. <laughs> and we pray for you. You have a great preacher. You're blessed. So I received that affirmation. Thank you. <laughs> In Jesus' name. I come into agreement with that. Right? And so that's not pride, right? We think, oh gosh, you know, I need to be humble and I shouldn't let it go to my head. And no. I mean, God is not about like putting his thumb on you and keeping you down. God wants us to thrive. God wants you to flourish. John 10, 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly to the full. I am the good shepherd. He is a good, good father who wants his children to flourish and thrive. John 10, 10. Yeah, but we sometimes feel like we have to, to do things in order to get God's attention. Hey, look at me. <laughs> and, and we don't. We don't have to do anything to get his attention. And that's what allows us to rest. You know, it's hard to rest in the spirit. It's, how, it's hard to rest in God if we feel like we always have to be doing something so that he will do something for us. His love is gratuitous in that sense. He freely gives it. And then he just looks for us to freely respond. To say, I receive. 
I receive that compliment. I receive that blessing. I receive your word. I receive your body, blood, soul, and divinity. I receive. I receive. I receive. But the devil would have us believe that we do have to do something, that we have to earn it, we have to deserve it, we have to go and get it. But, you know, again, I, I got to get to heaven. I got to do all these things that the church tells me to do so that I can get to heaven. Did you hear God's name mentioned in that at all, right? I mean, that's just so wrong, right? I got to do this so that I can get to heaven. That's just so backwards and upside down and inside out, right? But isn't that what we kind of grew up with? Isn't that how we understood it so often? That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The reason why it's such good news, right? It, you say to yourself, well, that just sounds too good to be true. Well, that's why it's called the gospel, right? It's the good news, right? It is that good. And then on, on Sunday as I was preaching about this, I, I noted what happens, at least here in Mark's gospel, what happens right after the baptism? Jesus, it says in verse 12, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And it was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. So anyway, Mark doesn't get into the temptations themselves. But when we look at the other gospels, the devil comes after Jesus. If you are really the son of God, then do this. You see that? How the devil just took what was, you know, spoken over Jesus and tries to twist it, tries to diminish it, tries to undermine it. If you are the son of God. So if this, really who you, if this is really who you are, then do this. Prove it. Jesus doesn't fall for it. He's like, I don't have to prove anything. The father just pronounced it over me. It is true. And I come into agreement with that. And get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. That's how Jesus defeated that first temptation. Right? But we get sucked into it. We get sucked into, oh, I gotta do this, and oh, I gotta do that. Right? And we're all like this, right? We're just like we're on a ship that's being, you know, overrun with waves. And then we get so flustered. You know, the enemy has us right where he wants us then. Because it's just about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and what people think about what I'm doing. And it's not about that. Right? We just claim who we are. We claim who the Father says we are. And that does come under attack. It does come under attack, absolutely. Because the enemy doesn't want you to flourish. Quite the contrary. <laughs> he wants you in survival mode. Because once he gets you there, he can drive you to despair and frustration and hopelessness and fear and anxiety and resentment and bitterness and hatred. Ah, right? That's right where he wants you. Right? It's a slippery slope, and he just wants to keep pushing you down that slope. Right? Try harder. Try harder. You're not trying hard enough. Try harder. And the, the harder we try, the faster we slide. Because it's not about you. It's not about me. 
So combat it with truth. Combat it with truth. I am a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. I've been praying about this affirmation, as I said, and I think, I mean, it, it, when it happened to me, it kind of felt like it was with my audible ears. It was so loud. I mean, most of you have heard me tell this story, but the words that I heard most clearly, most, you know, loudly, the loudest words I ever heard from the Lord were, Jason, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an affirmation, right? Mm-hmm. Jason, I believe in you. And they were so loud. It was on the last day of my eight-day silent retreat. And the Lord knew I needed to hear that. And he knows that I need to hear it over and over again. We all need to hear it over and over again. We all need to be affirmed each and every day in our, in our true identity. And yeah, it's nice to have, um, it's nice to receive compliments and, 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 and appreciation for what we do. Absolutely. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a good thing. And we should be grateful and we should appreciate the good things that we do and that other people do for us. God wants that. But before we even get to that, Jesus wants us to be affirmed and blessed and built up in in just who we are. And it's true. Sometimes we really need God's help with that to see and love in ourselves what he sees and loves in us. You've heard me pray that prayer before. Lord, help me to see and love in myself what you see and love in me. And then it's easier to see and love in others what God sees and loves in them. Because we don't feel threatened by each other then. I'm free then to compliment my sisters and brothers in Christ. Like Father Tan. Mm-hmm. He's obviously in a good place because he can walk out of here and he can give his brother a nice compliment, you know? Isn't that beautiful when brothers live in harmony, right? Don't we all appreciate that? But if we're living from this place of like a zero-sum game, well, if he gains, then I lose. If someone gets ahead of me, that means I'm behind. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not a zero-sum game at all. No, but as my one priest companion from Dublin used to say, the rising tide lifts all boats. (laughs) So as faith, you've all been in a faith environment. Maybe even today you experience it, right? But whenever you're in a, like some of us were just at the Encounter Conference, you know, uh, right at the end of last year after Christmas. And like, wow, as you start hearing testimonies of people getting healed and you know, miracles and stuff like that, the, the, the faith just keeps going up and up and up and up. And up. It just 